You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. tell you these things. There has to be repentance. There has to be confession. There has to be for forgiveness to happen. Peter can only tell what he's seen, what he's heard. He can only speak of the transformation in his own life. Likewise, we can only tell what we know about us, about the transformation that has happened in our lives. This is what I was, and this is what I am, praise God in Christ. And we, we can show people, people that know us see the difference. And we go, it was Christ. It wasn't us. It was something that Christ did in my life. We can tell people about that. There is power in a testimony. In today's message from Pastor Dave, he encourages you to share what Christ has done in your life with others. Speak about the things you've seen Christ do and the transformation He has brought within your life. Don't be afraid to share your story of God's faithfulness with others. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 5 as he continues his message, Diplomat or Ambassador. called to preach the gospel in season and out. We're not called to take time off. Even when we don't feel like it, we're called to teach the gospel. In fact, some of the hardest times and some of the times when the gospel is so effective is when we're really not feeling like it. Because then we know it's all of Christ and none of us. Some of us are going through dire circumstances. Some of us have terrible decisions we have to make. Some of us are doing some things that we really don't want to be doing, really placed in positions that are terrible. We can't do this on our own. We have to rely on our Jesus Christ. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us in these times. And these are the times when we need to share the gospel. These are the times when we have to stand up for righteousness and declare God's word. We have to be ready to speak. And we have to be obedient to the call, even when we don't feel like it. Because we represent Christ, and he has commissioned us. He has commissioned us with a message of hope for the world. Another characteristic I see here is dependable. These men could be counted on to do what they were called to do. They were dependable. An ambassador knows the effectiveness is solely based on the power of God, and that effectiveness requires him to be dependable. In other words, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to step out in faith. You can count on me, God, and I'm going to do this. And he knows that God will honor that and do what he has asked God to do. We see that in Isaiah 6. When the prophet stands before the Lord and says, here am I, Lord, send me. The Lord said, okay. And he sent him. And look at the horrible things that Isaiah had to say to the people of Israel. I mean, you go through Isaiah and you go through these chapters that it's woe this and woe that and get reconciled to God and all these things he has to say. No wonder we read later where they wanted to saw him in half, where they wanted to stone him in every corner, where they wanted to boil him in oil. No wonder we read those kind of things, because the message that he was preaching was not what they wanted to hear. I mean, let's face it. We all want to be told that we're okay. We all want to be told that everything's wonderful and everything's peachy and everything's great. We all want to feel good. But sometimes the gospel message doesn't tell that. Sometimes the gospel message tells us that we have to deal with our sin that is in front of us, cast it away, and come to Jesus. But then the joy that remains, the joy that comes in the morning from that healing is incredible. The joy that comes the peace that passes all understanding. The next characteristic I see can be found in verse 26. The captain 
went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they be stoned. In this verse, we see the characteristic of a good conduct and patience. The ambassador of Christ acts with grace. He acts with kindness. He acts with good manners. He will not dishonor Christ with his conduct. This is significant. The apostles did not appeal to popular opinion when they were arrested. And now remember, they're in the middle of the temple. All these people who are gathered around that they're preaching to probably could have been on their side because the lame man was just healed. They saw the miracle of the lame man. The apostles, when they came to be arrested, could have yelled, you're going to let them take us? And started a riot. But they didn't. They went peacefully. They wanted to show the love of Christ by having good conduct. There was a carnal solution to their problem, but they didn't use it. It's interesting to me that this very same Peter, who was involved in this, writes this in his first epistle in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. He, Paul goes on to say to the Philippian church, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Jesus himself said, let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven, in Matthew 5. So conduct is important. Our conduct speaks volumes to people. If you're out there and your conduct isn't great, you're going to hear this, and you call yourself a Christian? Our conduct speaks volumes. Volumes. The ambassador of Christ is also patient and doesn't quarrel, but will listen in order to understand. Then with gentleness, seek to respectfully engage his adversaries. The ambassador of Christ is patient. It's patient. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Patience, long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. Paul, again, writing to his son Timothy in 1 Timothy this time, in chapter 6, verse 11, he says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. We're to pursue those things. Those things are to be evident in our lives as we are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We have to remember for whom we serve. I'll never forget when we were down in New Orleans. We were down in New Orleans, and we were getting ready to minister to the people who were still left after the horrible Hurricane Katrina. And we were going to walk through the streets, and many, many people had come back to nothing. There was nothing left. But we were down there as representatives, not only of Jesus Christ, but the Billy Graham crusade. So before we went out, they had this great big meeting, great big meeting. And the person who was in charge said, I want you to remember one thing. You are ambassadors not only of Jesus Christ, but you are ambassadors of the Billy Graham Evangelical Association. And with that carries a huge responsibility. Don't go out there and make fools of yourself. Don't go out there and laugh and joke and be cruel and heartless. Remember who you serve. That was important to us. That was important to us. When we walked those streets, we would have empathy for these people who had lost everything and who were, who were where do we go from now? We knew we still had the answer, Jesus Christ. But it was important. It was important we acted in patience and gentleness. Another good characteristic of an ambassador is effectiveness. An ambassador of Christ is effective at spreading the message that he was given. We see this because the apostles never waver from the message. Their message hasn't changed since the first time Peter spoke back in the beginning of the book of Acts. 
But we see that the apostles are arrested again, and they're back in front of the council. In verses 27 and 28, it says, And when they had brought them in, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Remember I said when we went over this passage that this would come back to get them? This would be what they would use to persecute them? They warned them, don't teach in that name. And the apostles continued. But what I see here is a beautiful, wonderful indictment. What a wonderful indictment. It says, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Well, what doctrine is that? The doctrine says that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the risen Savior who will save us from our sins. He's the resurrected Christ, the Son of the living God. In Matthew 1.21, in Matthew 1.21, Joseph is told by the angel what to name his unborn child. And he said, and she, Mary, will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. So this name, this powerful name of Jesus Christ, the one that we're told not to preach in anymore, not to even say, they said, you don't understand. This is our doctrine. The apostles are accused of filling Jerusalem with this doctrine. They did their job very well. They were extremely effective. You know what? I wish we would get that indictment. I wish that people would say, oh, you know what? That church in Cape May, all they do is preach Jesus. All they do is want us to be saved. Oh, what a glorious day that would be if we got that indictment, if they held that against us, if they accused us of spreading the gospel, of being ones who spoke about Jesus. Oh, man, that would be fantastic. I would love that. I would just really like that, to think that we could reach southern Cape May County, to think that we could reach North Cape May, Cape May, Wildwood, these areas for Christ. Oh, that would be wonderful. What an indictment. Wouldn't it be great if somebody said, no, at church, all they do is preach Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, that's what we do. And we love every minute of it. Thank you a lot. That would be great. Christ is alive, and he wants to save us from our sins. This accusation that the high priest is making is a wonderful testimony about the effectiveness of the message that the apostles preach. The high priest declares himself that he says that they filled Jerusalem with this doctrine. Then he says, I know that you want to bring this blood on me. You want to bring this blood on the Jews. You want to blame us for the blood of Jesus Christ. It's interesting. He said, this man's. By calling Jesus the man, this Jewish leader is not even saying his name because he knows the power behind the name. He won't even say it. He said, this man. It's interesting to me. And he's staring them right in the face and he says, you want to bring this blood on top of us. Well, you know what? I think there's a double meaning here. I think there's a double meaning here. Yes, I think that Peter is saying, you're responsible for the death of Jesus Christ and his blood is on your hands. I believe he's saying that. But he's also saying that the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you when it comes upon you. And Peter is saying, I would love to see you cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I would love to bring the blood of Jesus Christ on top of you to cleanse you, to make you new, to make you clean, to make you a holy person and righteous and renew your relationship with God. The priest understood that. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. Later in the book of Acts, these same disciples, these same apostles are going to be accused of turning the world upside down. Another great indictment. Turn the world upside down. So, so far, these characteristics that we've seen of this Christian ambassador is ever ready, obedient to the call, dependable, having good conduct, patience, and effectiveness. The next characteristic we see is great conviction. In verse 29, it says, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. They didn't change their stance on Jesus. It was the power 
behind his name. They would not. They obeyed God and trusted him to take care of any consequences that might come their way. They were not going to serve two masters, man and God. They knew they couldn't do it. Peter's saying with the council, great conviction, we're going to serve God. That's our choice. We've declared it. Even though, council, you're the legislative body of the Jews, and you're our rulers and are in authority over us, but your council is wrong, we are obeying God. And we will take the consequences that come with that. God has commissioned us. He's authorized us. He's empowered us to be his ambassadors. He's commanded us to go forth and tell, to go tell everybody we know. There's no other decision to make but God and to obey him. An ambassador of Christ has solid convictions. An ambassador of Christ stands up for righteousness. The ambassador stands firmly for the Lord because the Lord will honor that. He will honor that conviction by faith. The ambassador's convictions are based on one thing and one thing only, the knowledge that they have of Jesus Christ. How good is your knowledge base today of Jesus Christ? How good is that knowledge base? Is it just a knowing or is it a relationship knowing? Where is your relationship there? What is your knowledge of them? In the final verses of today, we see that the last of these characteristics, and there's four more, tactical, clarity, honesty, and humility. Look at verses 30 and 32. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who will obey him. First thing I see, the first characteristic in this group is tactical. The ambassador of Christ adapts to each unique person and every situation. He maneuvers with wisdom to challenge the bad thinking of that person. And then he presents the truth in an understandable and compelling way. Have you ever heard somebody speak the truth or speak the word of God in a way that was like up here? And it's so technical, so that you're like, I think you said something I want to hear, but what was it? We need to speak on a level that our audience and our people we're speaking with understand. We need to use words of understanding that they would hear and listen. The apostles didn't change the message. We've said that. Peter indicts the leaders of Jesus' death. He's did it before two other times. And he boldly affirms once again that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. This infuriates the Sadducees because they don't believe in the resurrection. Not only is Christ raised from the dead, he says, but he's exalted by God in heaven. The work of the Holy Spirit since Pentecost is evidence that Jesus has indeed returned from heaven or to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit as he promised. The message obviously did not make the Sadducees rejoice. They were not happy guys about this message, especially the part about the resurrection. Peter mentions that the right hand of God, because the right hand is the place of honor. The right hand is the place of authority. The right hand is the place of power. The Jewish leaders would know this from Psalm 110. The Jewish leaders knew Psalm 110, and in Psalm 110, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies my footstool. They understood that this was a messianic verse, and it meant the Messiah. It's clear. The message is clear. The clarity and being another characteristic of of an ambassador. Careful language. Clarity relates to the language in the message's terms that's understood. The Sadducees understood the meaning of it. They just didn't believe it. An ambassador is also honest. He uses truthful facts. He doesn't misrepresent the gospel. He doesn't overstate it. The gospel speaks for itself. The word of God speaks for itself. It's not necessary to elaborate and to overspeak it. The ambassador simply relays the message of truth. 
Peter in a sermon calls the, Jesus the Prince of Life in, in chapter 3, and here he calls Jesus the Prince and the Savior. The Prince actually means pioneer. It's one who leads the way. It's an originator. Sadly, the Sanhedrin was not interested in pioneering anything. All they wanted to do was protect their own interests. Remember, they wanted to pad their pockets with the money. That's all they cared about. As a pioneer of life, Jesus saves us. He leads us into exciting places as we walk. This newness of life, remember the metamorphosis we talked about last week? The newness we have, this is exciting. There's always a new trail to blaze when you're following Jesus Christ. There's always a new place, and he's out there leading the way. He's out there blazing the trail. We should accept these when we get sent on these challenges. We just accept this as his will, to go on this new trail, the pioneer Jesus leading the way. In Hebrews 2, verse 10, Jesus is called the captain of our salvation. Again, pioneer. For the salvation should never be a static experience. My main man, Warren Wiersbe, I quote him a lot because I love the dude. He's great. He said this, the Christian life is not a parking lot. It's a launching pad. He continues and says, it's not enough just to be born again, but we must grow spiritually. We must make progress in our walk. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, Jesus again is called the pioneer. Only this time, he's called the author of our faith. And this suggests that he leads us into new experiences to test our faith and help us to grow. In fact, one of the major themes of the book of Hebrews is to press on into maturity. We cannot mature unless we follow Christ. He's the pioneer. He leads us into faith and into ministry, into new areas. Peter uses all these familiar words with the council. He uses the word Savior. Now, they're familiar with the word Savior. I mean, a physician is a Savior of people physically, right? They knew that. Philosophers are solvers of problems. And statements are save people from danger and war. They know that. They even applied the word Savior to Nero. He was their Savior. That's what he wanted to be called. But only Jesus Christ is the true and living Savior who rescues us from sin, death, and judgment for all who will put their trust in him. Final characteristic can be found in verse 32. He says, and you are my witnesses, or you are his witnesses to these things, and also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given those who obey him. The ambassador of Christ is humble. He doesn't press a point beyond where the evidence allows. Peter again calls the nation of Israel to repentance. Peter does not hesitate to finish the message. There must be repentance, a change of thought about who Jesus is. There must be forgiveness, which Christ gains after repentance and after confession. The apostles finished the message. I told the story this morning. In 1995, our twins graduated from high school, Ocean City, and we went to the tabernacle for their baccalaureate service, and we sat there, and it was a glorious time. And they had this wonderful speaker come up who was talking about Jesus Christ, and he was telling all these wonderful things, and he kept on leading people to the edge of salvation. And you could see it, and we kept on getting closer and closer. And I looked at the friends and goes, oh, boy, here we go. And he went, er, he stopped. We almost felt, wait, 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 you forgot something. What about repentance? What about forgiveness of sin? What about, what about Christ? He left the message short. The ambassador doesn't leave the message short. The ambassador completes the message. He completes the entire gospel message. He doesn't give you just a little bit here and a little bit there. He completes the entire message. And that's what we're called to do. But we do so in humility. We do so. Remember what Peter said? We can't not but speak of the things we've heard and seen. We've got to tell you these things. There has to be repentance. There has to be confession. There has to be for forgiveness to happen. Peter can only tell what he's seen, what he's heard. He can only speak of the transformation in his own life. Likewise, we can only tell what we know about us, about the transformation that has happened in our lives. 
This is what I was, and this is what I am, praise God in Christ. And we, we can show people, and people that know us see the difference. And we go, it was Christ. It wasn't us. It was something that Christ did in my life. We can tell people about that. Peter declares before the council in all humility, wanting desperately that the council would receive the message. It was a bold, bold day before the council. The Spirit of God enabled the apostles. They weren't afraid. They knew that man couldn't do anything to them. They knew that Jesus had promised not to forsake them, not to leave them. They knew that they'd been powered for service that day. They knew that they had the power of the Holy Spirit. They were witnesses of the resurrection, and they knew that he would see them through. Christ would see them through regardless of the outcome. God has given us a new life in Jesus Christ. He's given us authority to go and make disciples. Holy Spirit has given us the necessary power and has commissioned us to do so. But we've been given freedom, and with that freedom comes a price. Go proclaim the gospel, we're told. Go be ambassadors of me. Go with all readiness. Go with all obedience. Be dependable. Have good conduct. Have patience. Be effective with your message. Have great conviction when you speak your message. Stand up for righteousness. Be tactical and have a clarity approach. Make your message clear. Be honest with people and be with all humility. What is the result of this? What's the result of being an ambassador for Christ? Are there any benefits? Well, according to Proverbs 13, there is benefit. In Proverbs 13, verse 17, it simply says, A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Health. What does that mean? It's the effects of this faithfulness. The ambassador who faithfully discharges his trust and serves his interest to those who employ me, there is health there. Health to those by whom he's employed, health to himself, and health to others. As we spread the gospel message, that health becomes life. That health we have is life everlasting in Jesus Christ. This can become applicable to all of us who are in Christ and desire to be his ambassadors. Faithful ministers are Christ's ambassadors. They're sent to treat the sinners on peace and reconciliation. They come in God's name with entreaties and act in Christ's stead. They do the very thing that he did while he was on earth and now what he's willing from heaven to do. My charge for you today is don't be a diplomat. Don't be a man pleaser. Striving to please man, compromising your position in Christ, but be an ambassador of Christ. One who is called, one who is sent with a message, a pure message, a truthful message. Let us live up to our calling in Christ Jesus regardless of the circumstances that you're in right now. And I know it's difficult sometimes to get up there and go. But remember, He has empowered you. Don't rely on your own spirit. Don't rely on your own power. Rely on His spirit and His power. And go, regardless. Close with the words of Paul to the church of Ephesus. He says this. Chapter 6, I think it's verse 17, begins. He says, Take up the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. I am in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Don't be a diplomat. Be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. 
We know how busy life can get. But there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.